Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Galaxy Quest, directed by Dean Parasot, I assume, and released in 1999. Galaxy Quest tells the story of the alumni cast of a cult space TV show who have to play their roles for real when an alien race needs their help. Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> okay, so uh, this movie we have both seen before. Many, I saw it many, at, many times. I saw it at the movies um, in Japan, actually. I, I don't think I did, but I've seen it on TV heaps of times. It's kind of a classic now. Yeah, it is considered by many to be one of the best Star Trek movies. <laughs> um, it's certainly better than Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, it is just, it's so much fun. It is one of the funniest movies, I think, in existence. Um, and it's a lot of fun, especially for nerds like us. Yes, and I have seen it millions of times, but until last night when we watched it and played a drinking game while watching it, I hadn't seen it since I've watched Star Trek. And it was so much, and all been to a con, and it was so much better. Yeah, yeah. So it stars Tim Allen as a William Shatner-esque former star. He had his own show, and now he goes around and does cons and things. And he starts off being, you know, really into it and really friendly with the fans and all that sort of thing, but, you know, somewhat egotistical. And then he goes off to do a, like, private gig for some fans, and it turns out they're not so much fans as actual aliens, um, led by Rico Colantoni, who some people might know from Veronica Mars. Yes. And they're called the Thermians, and they are brilliant and funny, and pretty much everything about them is spot on and really funny. Like, they're just slightly shy of human in everything that they do. Mm -hmm. The way they talk and laugh and the way they walk with their little hands going over their knees and stuff like that. And they've learned everything they need to know about space travel from watching the historical documents performed by this cast some years ago. Right. And so the show that they were on is also called Galaxy Quest. And now basically the whole cast just goes around doing cons. Um, Alan Rickman plays Alexander Dane, who uh, is a British, you know, Shakespearean actor who got into the part of the alien um, second-in-command called Dr. Laredo on the show. I was and Richard III on Broadway. Yeah. And he's great. And he has this, like, prosthetic head that he wears through the whole movie. Like, we even get a shot of him chilling out at home in the prosthetic head. And that's how he goes to cons. It's just – that's just how he is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's just – it's so funny mm. um, that you never see him out of that character. It's mm. so funny. And we've got Sigourney Weaver yep. as – the female the officer, yeah, the girl, uh, who she comments at one point that she had there was a story about her, like that was like one line about her tits and how they fit into a in her, to her outfit or boobs and how they fit into her outfit. Mm. Yeah, so she's based on she's every the, the girl in every Star Trek. So she's the communications officer, like Uhura, but she's also a bit like Counselor Cleavage from um, whose name I don't even know. Sorry, Deanna Troy. Yes, Counselor Cleavage from Next Generation. And then you've got, who else is in there? Um, Tony Shalhoub, who plays, or Shalhoub, who plays um, the tech Sergeant Chen. Scotty, yeah. Uh, plays the Scotty, and yeah. he's he's very, very funny in the movie. Um, Sam, Sam Rockwell's Rockwell. in it. Uh, and Daryl Little plays, he was a child star on the show. The Wesley um, Crusher. He's the Wesley Crusher, and he piloted the ship. So he has to try and remember how to pilot the ship when they go into space. It's all based on his movements. Yeah. And, I mean, one of the most quotable movies that, you know, has ever existed too. Yeah. If you've not seen it, don't watch it with Katie. <laughs> She'll give you the line about two seconds before it comes. I don't mean to. 
It's not intentional. Mm-hmm. I just sort of, my mouth takes over, I guess, and I just say the things mm-hmm. that are happening. So the best thing about this movie is that it's the most excellent parody. The casts of the real Star Treks love this movie. As well, far as the we ones understand. that I've heard about, ones yeah. I've heard of. George Takei called it chillingly realistic. And um, I just forgot what Riker's name. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes told the rest of the TNG cast to go and see it. Yeah, Patrick Stewart didn't want to and then he went and saw it and he said he laughed loudest and longest in the theatre. Mm-hmm. I think the reason for me that this movie is so brilliant is because it's not laughing at fans or at sci-fi. It is laughing with fans and with sci-fi. Yes. It is clearly made by people who genuinely love this stuff mm-hmm. but also know all of the funny little, like, you know – eccentricities of it, I guess. And cliches and things like that. And it's also making fun of the networks and people like that. The the big bad the if, if there's anyone who's bad, it's you know, it's it's not the fans and it's not the actors. No, I mean, yeah, it's just about uh it's just fun really. But it mm-hmm. is. It it's something where you can watch it and recognise yourself in it and laugh, but they don't they're not being mean to you. Like Big Bang Theory. It's not like yes. that. Yeah. It's not disrespectful to anybody. It's yeah. just kind of this sweet but hilarious movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about how there's actually an R-rated – it was originally R-rated. Apparently. I didn't know this. Um, there was an article about it recently. I'll track it down for our show notes. Yes, um, do that. But even the very first time I saw it, there's this line that um, that Sigourney Weaver says <laughs> when they get to the chompy things. They're going through the ship, the bowels of the ship, and they just have all these things there for no reason because they're in the show. And so they get these, like, chompers and they get a big spinny fan and all that sort of thing. So they get to the chompers and she's just like, why are these even here? And this episode was badly written. And at one point he says, well, we have to go through them. And she goes – well, screw that in the audio, but you can very clearly see her say something else. <laughs> and that's only one of the times that you can see that they've changed the dialogue. Mm, and apparently Tony Shalhoub's character is stoned for the whole thing, and there's a just one little reference. Are you stoned? Yeah, I think that's like one of those – because Sam Rockwell says it when he's off screen, mm. and so it must be one of those ones that they didn't quite pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few things like that, actually, like – uh, I noticed this time when they get onto the pla- alien planet, which is the funniest sequence in the whole movie and has most of my favorite lines, especially the exchange between um, between uh, Jason Nesmith, who's the Tim Allen's character, and Alexander Dane about acting. Well, <laughs> well never Jason, serious about the craft. Jason's being attacked by a giant rock monster. <laughs> Being told things like, go for its sensitive, vulnerable spots. It's a big rock. It doesn't have any vulnerable spots. Find out its motivation. It's a big rock. It doesn't have motivation. You were never serious about the craft. And that's also where the minus minus sequence is. Yes, which is my personal favorite joke. Is that the the cat wanting to come in? I think so. Oh, hello, cat. There he is. Mm -hmm. A giant rock monster has entered the studio. (laughs) A giant rock monster. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Well, last week he was a stop motion robot. This week. (laughs) The rock monster. Yeah. Um, it looks really, really good for a movie made in 1999 as well. It looks amazing. The special effects are really good, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I remember seeing this in the at the cinema mm. and just – I didn't had no idea what to expect. But my experience of that sort of thing was really different to now. And yet, I found it as funny then as I do now. Oh, that's the same. I actually had the same thing. I thought it was as funny the first time I saw it, I think on TV or probably video at that point, as I do now. 
Yeah, it's a really good movie for both laymen and fans. Yeah, you don't have to be a fan of any of this stuff to enjoy it a lot. Because it's also, as much as anything, it's about the backstage and what it's like to be a fan. And everybody is a fan of something. You don't have to be a geek to be a fan person, like Mm. a fanboy or fangirl. Pretty much everyone has something that they're a fan of. And it's really interesting to see the backstage and to see what your – the, whatever the people you are fans of are like from backstage. So there's the, there's always that element which makes it appealing. Plus, it is really, really funny. It's so funny. Quotable. It's so well written. Like, it's so cleverly written. Um, the actors are all fantastic too. And there's this thing where, you know, you you would think you'd have to sort of suspend disbelief to watch this movie. And yet, it doesn't seem unbelievable even when there's real aliens and stuff. Not You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. It's so – and then, oh, there's this moment when they need help understanding the ship just before they go through the chompers and stuff. And uh, there's one fan played by Jason Long. Justin Long. <sighs> Justin Long. It's because he's Jason Nesmith, the other guy. Ah, right. So my brain sort of mm-hmm. mashed their names together. Justin Long plays a fan that Jason has been rude to at conventions and then he bumped into him another time and accidentally, accidentally swapped communicators. Mm-hmm. And he had a real working one. So now, of course, Justin Long's character has a real working one. So they talk to him and he gets all his friends to figure out what all the insides of the ship look like because they know every detail of They're this show. They're such proper geeks that they know all this stuff and the actors don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they have to talk to him to get through the whole thing. And there's um, another one of my favorite moments in the movie when he goes, um, I know that it's not real and I know it's all sets. And then Jason goes, it's all real. And Brandon, I think it is, he goes, I knew it! <laughs> and it's the best. It's so cute. And that's why it's so respectful to fans, because we know that. Like, we know there's not really a Hogwarts and there's not really an Enterprise. and there's not- But in our hearts, there kind of is, because right. it's been created for us and they've made it for us. And so the- it's really sweet, that bit. It's it one is. one of my favourite bits. It is. It's so sweet and so funny at the mm. same time, because, you know, we, we are. We're really laughing with... Him. What else does it have? And it's also, you were talking about how it's really, really good on all the different types of fans. Mm. And it's important to remember this is like pre-Tumblr. This Mm. is pre-Live Journal just about. Like this is before the internet really took over fandom Mm. in the way it is now. And it's still got the same kind of fans. There's like the crazy shippers and then there's like the good cosplayers and then there's the half-assed cosplayers and then there's the... Um, the ones like uh, Justin Long's character where they're really, really into the detail of all the technical stuff and then there's the ones who write the fan fiction and all this kind of stuff and it's really cute. Yeah, you can see them at the convention. Like the, um, each person who comes up has a different thing that they get, get out of it and mm. it's really nice. Um, and and even like the Thermians also, the, the aliens represent fans yep. essentially. Um, and. They have a whole um, – they've been really inspired by them and, you know, look up to them and all that sort of thing. Um, there is a sequence in this movie that kind of frustrates me when I watch it, uh, which is the bit where Saris, who's the bad guy, who, by the way, um, Buffy fans, is played by the guy who played Ethan Rain, who um, – the actor's called Robin Sachs. Unfortunately, he passed away recently, so R.I.P. Robin Sachs. Um, he says – he tells Jason to explain to the head Thermian uh, about what it is that they do because these guys don't understand what acting is. They think it's all real. Mm. And then he calls it lying 
And you're like, and he's been told to explain it like you would to a child. And I'm like, why would you ever tell a child that acting is lying? Mm. That's not really what it is. No. It's a very sort of strange scene that only works. Like, it's it's the only scene that doesn't quite jive because you know it's only in there to propel the movie forward, mm-hmm. in a sense. Because, you know, you have to have that moment of betrayal and he has to realize that he's hurt them and all that sort of thing. But yeah. it also doesn't really work. Yeah, but they have to had to do something and they yeah. had to fit it in somehow. And they, for some reason, he didn't quite understand the concept of pretending. I don't know. And, of course, they didn't because they don't have any such concept and that's why they've taken the whole thing seriously. Yeah, mm. but then to call it lying rather than to say – like, yeah. then later on he says, um, on Earth we pretend to entertain and to tell stories. Mm. And you're like, why wouldn't you lead with that? Why yeah. isn't that the opener? Well, he had already – I thought he said that earlier. No, he no, doesn't. He says it later. He says it after yeah. he said we lied, mm. which they – did but that's not what acting is. No, and that's the whole the whole point of the whole movie is that it isn't really lying. Um, it's about creating some kind of story that ha- means a lot to people in their real lives. Yes, yeah, mm. um, and also to actually put actors in the situations that they play on TV and see how that goes. <laughs> Did any of you guys even watch the show? <laughs> Sam Rockwell's character is brilliant because he's mm. this. Uh, um, he was an extra, basically a red shirt. Yeah, in yeah. one episode of. Um, of Galaxy Quest, the original show. <laughs> he he was the guy who died. And he's clearly a big fanboy because he's at the conventions introducing the cast. Mm. So he's obviously like this kind of tiny bit part actor, but he seems to know the most about it of anybody. And he's utterly terrified that he's a red shirt for like two thirds of the movie. Part of the drinking game we played, we had to drink every time he thought he was going to die. Yeah, yeah. We there were, um, and he also- eventually gets upgraded to plucky comic relief. Yeah. That's actually one of the things where um, on the ship going to the planet, mm. he's like, do I have a last name? You have a last name, guy. But what is it? You don't know because I'm not important enough to have a last name. Uh, and then they get down to the planet and Jason calls him Fliegman. Yeah. Which I never noticed before this this run through. So he has a last name. So I guess he must have told them at some point mm-hmm. when he got to the planet. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Or has it on his uniform? Yeah. I don't think he does. No, I don't know. Uh, anyway, little aliens on the planet are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Look, they're going to help the little hurt one, and then they all attack it and eat it and tear it to shreds. <laughs> Hit it with a rock. <laughs> um, and then we have a Gorn-esque monster fight at the Gorn Rocks. <laughs> well, the planet is Gorn Rocks. Yes. Where the Gorn fight happens. But in this case, it's a reference, not a convenient shooting location. No. But, well, it's probably both. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> That's right. But, um, I think when they do the pig lizard fight there... <laughs> I'm doing okay with the pig lizard. And then the pig lizard, when they beam it up, turned inside out, and then it exploded. Because <laughs> they weren't sure how the transporter beam worked. Yeah. Mm. That but, rock monster's not a, mo- not a reference to anything, is it? Not that I know of. No, I didn't think so. Oh, okay. Oh, somebody's made his cameo for the week. I know, you want to go out. Freedom! <laughs> mm. um, I, don't, I don't know, but mm. yeah. I don't know if there's specific, like, there's not that many really specific references. No, that's true. Most of them are just sort of general yeah, yeah. Star Trek-y ideas no, with I, some I other stuff thrown in. That was Yes, I thought that was it. I just was, just wondered. Hmm. Mm. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of what else there is in the movie that we can recommend it for. I know. It's like a, your favorite movie. Well, one of them. One of them. Top five? I don't know. How do you, do you even? 
I don't even know. <laughs> I know what some of your favorite movies are. I don't know if you have a top 10 or not or five. Or I whatever. have sort of a top 10. I have a rotating top five. Yeah. I have a top four with a rotating spot for the fifth one. Are three of them Lord of the Rings? One of them one is Lord movie? of the Rings. Yeah, okay. That counts as one movie, yeah. So I got Lord of the Rings and The Goonies mm. and um, Singing in the Rain mm-hmm. and Star Trek. The Star Trek 2009. Yeah, the 2009 remake. Yep. Which is the only one called Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the other one's called Star Trek, the motion picture. Star Trek, the one with the whales. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the voyage home, I think. Pfft. Uh, I, that's my top four. Mm-hmm. And then I have a rotating fifth spot. Mm-hmm. And it changes okay. depending on. So right now it probably is Galaxy Quest, and then I'll see one of my other favorites again, and I'll be like, "No, no, it's that one." Okay. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Rotating top five. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about it because it's awesome. It's funny. It's cute. It's great if you're a fan. I think if you're a geek, you have to watch it. And if you're a fan of any of the actors in it, yeah, you have to watch it. Especially Alan Rickman. Oh, he, he's brilliant. He so rarely gets to do. Really funny roles. Like there's this and Dogma, mm. and that's really it for straight comedy roles, I guess. Well, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, because he was a voice in he that. Was a, he was Marvin, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Right. Kind of counts, I guess. I guess it kind of counts. It's not. It's Because it, it's sort of like this one, because with all these, are we there yet? <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, Marvin's a little less um, um Yeah, he's actually depressed. <laughs> cranky as, than Alexander. And he, yes, he's, but, he is similarly yeah. crankly, cranky in Dogma. In a slightly different way again. Mm. Um, God, I haven't seen Dogma in ages. I should watch that again. So mm. he, but he so rarely gets to do something like this where he kind of sends himself up mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he does it so well, and he has such good timing, and it's so so funny mm. uh, that I think anybody who likes um, Alan Rickman and doesn't like this movie is missing out. Yeah, we kind of partly did this movie because it's his birthday this week. Yes, it is. That's true. And What's we and this was all over Tumblr. So we decided to do this movie because <laughs> we have it and it's fun and we like it. Um, but, yeah, it's probably the best thing Sigourney Weaver had done in years by the time this came well, Sigourney around. Sigourney Weaver does, yeah, she does a lot of things like that now actually where she does minor roles in these other movies yeah. like Paul and Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, Spoilers yeah. for both of those movies, by the way. Yeah, but at the time this was a bit of a – this was almost a turning point for her when she moves yeah. from doing that kind of action hero stuff to into more different roles. Um, it's probably the best thing Tim Allen's ever done. Toy Story. Other than – yeah, but that's a voice, so. I know. Yeah. But this the, is probably one of his best things that he's ever done. Um, guy, uh, guy. I was just calling him Guy. I mean, Sam Rockwell is excellent. Daryl Williams, who I know from being the teacher in 10 Darryl Things I Hate Mitchell? About. Mitchell? Daryl Mitchell? Daryl Williams, I don't know. I think I'm. it's Daryl Mitchell because that's where the chill comes yeah, from. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, he's. I know him from being the teacher in 10 Things I Hate About You, and this is an, – a, he's one of these actors who well, – was never a really big star and then, like, had these tiny little scene-stealing roles and he's great. Justin Long, this must have been really early in his career mm. and he is great. It's got Inappropriately Aged Hottie <laughs> in it as the young Daryl Corbin Mitch- Blue. Yeah. <laughs> from, from High, High School, School Musical. Musical. <laughs> For people who don't know who that is. He is of a perfectly appropriate age now and still quite attractive. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he plays the young Laredo, which always makes me really happy. Mm-hmm. I always forget. Every single time I watch this movie, I forget he's in it. Mm. Uh, and, and Mika Colantoni is amazing as the lead alien. And the other aliens are Missy Pyle mm-hmm. and uh, Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute, the actor who plays Dwight Schrute. Rain Wilson. Thank you. Um, I don't know who the other one is. Um, there's one called 
there's an actor called Patrick Breen who mm. plays Quellick. He's been in a few other things. Yeah. And the other guy, I looked we it up. I forgot about night. Tony Shalhoub as well. I didn't. Well, we talked about him yeah, earlier. Yeah, we did. That's true. Uh, the other guy's called Jed Reese mm. or Reese, and I don't really know anything else. But they're, they're, all the minor sort of characters are really quite funny too. Mm-hmm. And the aliens kind of work best as like a group. Yeah. But it is really interesting how they manage so effectively to make them so homogenous in a way. Like, they really, really did a fantastic job with the Thermians. Right. And there's all, well, there's all these little cute details about, like, how they clap sideways yeah. and they the noises they make for certain uh, things. And, and they're laughing. And when they don't have their um their uh, – image shields up and how they really look and all that kind yeah. of stuff. They're cute. basically tentacle monsters, mm-hmm. um, which leads to a very, very funny moment later on with Missy Pyle and Tony Shalhoub. But all, yeah, that, that, even the little details like when they uh, um, <laughs> they go to Jason's house to pick him up mm. and he's like, can you look for another shoe that looks like this? And they all start looking at the ceiling because <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> Where you'd find a shoe, of course. Right. Because it's not like they, with their tentacles, wear shoes. Nope. <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, I love that. All those little there's oh and the first time they get transported as well and everybody just like goes into shock. Yeah. Um cuz the transporting method is to cover the people in goo and then shoot them through space. So basically all of the people just get hurtled through space. It's safer than teleportation it ha- and they even have a scene with um the captain talking about how teleportation is really dangerous. He's not going to be pulled apart into a million different pieces and then moved again. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a conversation we have in this house a lot. We really seem to have covered Galaxy Quest in about was, five minutes. I know. There was something else I wanted to say about it. I'm trying to remember what it is now. It's an interesting study for a lot of people who want to talk about who want to talk about a lot of the problems and things like that in sci fi and stuff, right? Yeah. This is a really good way of doing it because it's a really, really entertaining way of doing it. And it's a really fun way of doing it. Like everybody has a good time and they enjoy the movie. There's mm-hmm. lots of laughs. You had a good, you you know, have a good experience. But then when you come away from it, you know a little bit more about it than you did before. Yes. Like it's opened your eyes to some of the things that. And you started recognizing cliches as cliches. Right. Yeah. But in this movie, for instance, when they talk about Sigourney Weaver all the time and like her boobs in the suit. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, uh, her suit like breaks. Yeah. And you can see her boobs. You suddenly notice it. Like, people might not be as as cognizant of it if they hadn't pointed it out earlier. Right, because it's just so normal that they just figure it's the way it is. Yeah, exactly. women's uniforms are low cut and tight. Right. And mm-hmm. so then you start to get to the end of the movie and you realize that they've done that in this movie. Mm. And you're like, well, wait a minute, that's not cool because they talked about it earlier. Mm. There's a great um, original series gag, actually, speaking of getting your shirts off, where um, <laughs> Tim Allen's character is teleported and he loses his shirt. And he manages to, be, and it's a great reference to how William Shatner, if ever he got in a fight, would get his shirt ripped or lose it entirely. Mm. All of that sort of stuff is just, you know, references mm. and cliches and things like that. Yeah. Mm. But it also points out things like why is Tommy Laredo the only non white character on the show mm. and stuff like that, where they, but they do it while and- also acknowledging that. There's a lot of good things about it. Yeah. And, and yeah, and why is the girl's only job to talk to the computer? Yes. Yeah, making fun. It's, it's that same sort of thing that The Simpsons does so well. It's the Simpsons in its first 10 seasons. This movie is another one of those ways that people of our generation are really media literate because we've got a lot of entertainment that's like this. Mm. Mm. Really meta stuff. Yes. They even do this thing at the end of it. Um, 
where he's talking to Saris and he's like, it doesn't take a good actor to spot a bad one. And I know that you're lying because you're sweating. <laughs> I like how the Thermians are a slight reference to uh, Vulcan. Yeah, Vulcan yeah, people Vulcan. with their funny haircut, um, black hair haircuts and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's a cute little reference as well. Mm-hmm. As, but I think I've mentioned I love everything about the Thermians. Yes, you have. They're just, it's such a good idea. Yeah. It's so cleverly, like every single thing from conception right up until um, until the screen, every detail is so cute and clever. It's world building. Yeah, it's yeah. really good world building. Uh, they don't bleed the same color. Everything about them is just like, mm-hmm. and when they have the disguises on, it's always just a little bit not right. And they cast all these actors who look just a little bit not quite attractive, but still being attractive, like Missy Pyle. Yeah. Um, and Jed Rees with his funny eyebrows and stuff. They're mm-hmm. just like slightly left of center. Mm. Um, so all of it, every moment of it, and all the actors do such a good job of bringing them to life too. Mm. Uh, Rico Colantoni is is great. Mm. He's always really fun. He was also in Just Shoot Me, I think. Yeah, that's where I knew him from first, around yeah. this time as well. He was in that show. Um, when he was, you know, young and handsome. Um, well, he not was that always, he but... I think he was already in his 30s by then. Like he was definitely bald. Yes, and but I he, think he, he was playing kind of, he was he was playing a skeezy photographer in that show. Rico is almost un- unrecognizable in this. Actually, he looks so different He's got that hair, a lot of people don't. Thing. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people don't know it's him. And I think really? it's partly also because yeah. he does a really good job. Yeah, like he's so so very different mm. um, in this movie as as the the um, alien captain, alien leader, and he he's really quite. He has to play a sort of a straight man, but at the same time, it's not a straight man role at all. Yes. And so he balances it really well, and he balances the, like, you can see all of the things that the Thermians are thinking on his face, Mm. because the other guys can't know that the Thermians are real, or that the danger is so real, or that, like, you know, the torture and all that sort of stuff is happening. And so he basically has to do all of that Mm. without like show all of it without any of it being told. Mm. Um, and he does it in this really clever way. Yeah. I think he's really – I think everybody's great in this. <laughs> everybody's just terrific. Um, yeah, it's a great movie and it's totally worth revisiting whenever you get the chance. It's interesting to see the con in this one too because it was in 1999 and cons have really changed a lot since then. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, pre-internet. Mm. So it was really uh, sort of local, mm. I guess, as opposed to now where the con- cons are just – epic mega events where you you know you travel to go to them and people or they're little and you pay a lot yeah there's yes exactly but although this was a very this was just a galaxy quest con this was like a little con really yeah it was and some somewhere in suburban la by the looks of it Mm. Mm. and clearly that's all they do Mm. these actors um go around to cons which is i mean william shatner did do a lot of that in his time as well I think um, anyone who's on a genre show has done a lot of cons. Although getting the whole main cast like that would be a bit of a coup for a con organizer. Often you go to a con and it's like uh, third wing commander for two years, or like yeah, that's the uh, the one thing about this this movie particularly that they all do things together all the time. Mm. Nobody's career took off and everybody's in the same boat. Everybody has to come back and do cons. Yeah. Seems pretty unlikely, really. Yeah. Also, I don't know any actors who go to all the cons in their full makeup. No, me neither. We had the uh, Hiddles moment at at Comic Con where he showed up in costume, right? But they don't usually. Andrew Garfield as well showed up. That's a little bit different Mm. in that he was 
He was in a crappy suit, though. Yeah. He was in a crappy Spider-Man suit. Well, actually, actors go to Comic-Con in costume all the time, so they don't get recognised. Yes. Yeah. Although, but they don't go in the costumes of their characters well, with their characters' makeup Hugh, on. Apparently Hugh Jackman did, and someone was like, eh, it's not bad. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. 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 And, yes, Andrew Garfield walked around in Spider-Man, a bad Spider-Man costume. and Yeah, and he was... The, it's what? becoming a thing, but it wasn't a thing then. No. Well, it, I mean, it's also a thing in a different way now. Mm. This seemed like Done part of their part of their like Shtick. contract. Yes, to show up was to have them be in costume, which is so strange. <laughs> By Grabthar's hammer, water savings. <laughs> that line delivery, man. Oh yeah, when they're opening the electronics store or something. Yeah, mm. and he has to cut. By Grabthar's hammer, water savings. There's <laughs> another one of my favorite lines in it. Mm-hmm. I like how everything gets subverted by the end as well. Like they reclaim their um, never catchphrases. Give up, never surrender. And by Mathazar, hammer, I will avenge you. Mathazar ends up with the never yeah. give up, never surrender line. Yeah. Like it's his line in the end. Which yeah. is so sweet. Should we run through the drinking game that we played while we sure. watched this? What, so we drank whenever we had the theme, the Galaxy Quest theme music. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever anybody said one of the catchphrases, mm-hmm. ironically or not, uh Whenever we were distracted by Sigourney Weaver's boobs. Yep. Whenever the Thermians laughed, I think was one of them. Yep. And whenever Guy thought he was going to die. Yeah. I feel it. like there was one more. Yeah, there must have but been. But we didn't completely do all of them. Well, it got a bit hard towards the end, <laughs> as these things do. Um, yeah. I, and, I wasn't quoting everything along with and the did movie you see at the that, beginning. Did you see that I invented a drinking game for our podcast? And I don't no. think we've hit any of them. Well, it's on the Tumblr um, and I have to go find it now. I was tweeting about it the other night and I was thinking there are some things in our show that make for a good drinking game. But you know what? We haven't actually hit any of them tonight. <laughs> um, there's Well, there's a bunch of them. Like, well, anytime I say I'm a Tarantino fan, that, uh, anytime you quote Joss Whedon, there's um, anytime I mention the Gina Davis research on kids' movies, uh, anytime we talk about uh, fridging. I don't know what the Gina Davis article about kids' movies is. She's done. She has this like whole research institute she set up to look into gender roles in movies because she has uh, twin daughters. Oh, okay. And so she watches a lot of kids' movies nowadays. And uh, she did. She looked at. She started watching them and started realizing how terrible they were for women. And so yep. she actually, because she has money to do this kind of stuff, commissioned people to do research on the way women are portrayed in kids' movies. I love so Gina I mention Davis. it all the time. But it found some of the findings include something like. In, uh, in an average ch- children's animated movie, uh, in any given crowd scene, there will be 17% women. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... That's one of the things that really, really annoys me. Um, in, in all the trailers for the new Lego movie, it's been bothering me. Um, that female characters are hypersexualized more than in adult movies, in mm. kids' movies a lot of the time. Like the introductory scene... For a piece of Lego in this movie, she is a Lego character, and the introductory scene is a pan up from her feet mm. where she tosses her hair over her shoulder and it slowly pans up her body. Yeah. And she's a piece of Lego, like yeah. an animated fake piece of Lego. She doesn't have a figure. It's painted on to the piece of Lego that she is animated to be. Mm. <laughs> To me, that's just the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. And they do it all the time. We're watching Space Jam, and, mm. <laughs> which is also brilliant. I love that movie so much because it is so terrible yeah. and yet so wonderful at the same time. Mm-hmm. I finally, finally managed to log into our Tumblr. I had to, like, type in a capture. Basically, if you're listening to the podcast, you need to drink every time we talk about a minority character being fridged, drink every time we 
mention the lack of women in a film. Anytime that I cite Gina Davis research, as discussed just before, anytime I say, I'm a Tarantino fan, and it's usually in the context of, I don't mind a bit of violence, I'm a Tarantino fan. <laughs> you drink anytime we talk about the importance of basic sto- good story structure. Uh, if we praise something for having a light touch or for doing something in an entertaining way, uh-huh. uh, which we kind of did all this episode, uh, you quote Joss Whedon. We mentioned Hiddles on an episode that isn't about one of his movies. Which we just did. Yep. <laughs> or we make reference to a TV show. Which we do have done. all the time. I started to list the TV shows. I was like, if we reference Sherlock or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and then I was like, and then I the list got too long, and I was like, any time we mention TV show, yeah, it counts. It's a drinking game. So we should do an episode one week where we do the drinking what game. What is it? Well, Tonight we did Buffy, Josh Shoot Me, Veronica Mars. Big um, Bang Theory. Star Trek. <laughs> so many. I see. We anyway. should play this drinking game ourselves every time we do the yeah, podcast. Yeah, drink. And then we, we, we would have a really entertaining podcast. I think we would. Well, we might as well wrap this one up, seeing as we've talked for ages about everything. Star rating? Um, I'm going to say five stars. Four and a half from me. Yay. So, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read the show notes, of which there will probably be none. No, no, no. I was no, you had put, something. You were going to find put the article the show about notes. how there was an R-rated movie. Yes, R-rated version. We'll, we'll try and track down the R-rated version of Galaxy <laughs> Quest and put it in the show notes. So you can do that on our website at Silver Screen at. That's that's the Tumblr. That's just, the Twitter. Just to be clear, mm-hmm. there is no R-rated version of the movie out. There was. It was gonna... originally R-rated, and they made it not R-rated. Oh. There is no version that exists of the movie that was R-rated. Sigh. They made it PG-13 to release it and then there's no – because this article was like, it's so surprising that a movie like Galaxy Quest, which seems so innocuous, would be R-rated. And I'm like – It never was. <laughs> yes. So we'll try and find that for the show notes, among other things. Why not? Um, so the show notes are available on silverscreenqueens.com and that's where you can find old episodes and other things like that. Uh you can find us on Facebook. Just like our page and say hello. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at screen underscore queens and on the aforementioned Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.